Hello and welcome to Abe Mus Papam, episode 172, Clement III. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. So last week we had three people who were being considered for election to the papacy, Cardinal Henri de Maria Zach, the Cardinal Bishop of Albano, who didn't accept his election, Cardinal Paolo Scolari, the Cardinal Bishop of Palestrina, who was seen to be too sickly, and then Cardinal Alberto di Mora, who became Pope Gregory VIII, but died fairly shortly after his election. Now, Pope Gregory VIII died in Pisa in 1187 on his way back to Rome, which, if you remember, was still in an on-again, off-again revolt against the Pope, and we're going to be having these for quite some time. In fact, Gregory and, and his predecessor, Urban III, never stepped foot in Rome while they were Pope. Gregory, however, had worked out a deal with the Holy Roman Emperor Friedrich Barbarossa. By getting together on the same page about outstanding areas of conflict between the papacy and the emperor, Gregory and Frederick were able to focus on their intention on what really mattered, which was the crusade and the reform of the Roman Curia. So Frederick dispatched a group of soldiers led by a trusted noble, Leo de Monumento, to help the pope return to Rome. But of course, Gregory died before getting there. So now there needs to be another papal election, this time in Pisa, before heading back to Rome. And though he was not a cardinal, Leo, as representative of the emperor, did play a pretty big role in who would be elected. The cardinals at this point did not want to pick further fights with the emperor. Everyone wanted to focus on the crusade, and so they're probably pretty much more inclined to elect someone favorable to Friedrich. Now, the first choice of the conclave was Cardinal Thibald, a Benedictine monk of Cluny, who was the cardinal archbishop of Ostia and Velletri. Cardinal Thibault, however, declined his election, so the cardinals turned towards one of the candidates from the last time around, Cardinal Paolo Scolari, the Cardinal Bishop of Palestrina, who they had passed over before because of his health. Cardinal Scolari accepted his election on December 17, 1181, and he took the name Clement III. Paolo Scolari was a Roman, which we haven't had in a while, the son of Giovanni and Maria Scolari, upper middle class residents of the Pigna district in the city of Rome. Paolo was a canon of Santa Maria Maggiore and eventually made the archpriest of the basilica. He was made a cardinal priest by Pope Alexander III in 1179 and then later Cardinal Bishop of Palestrina in 1181, which then brings us to his election today. It's probable that as a Roman himself, he was chosen in order to help make peace with the Roman commune and settle the papacy back where it belonged. And sure enough, just a couple months after his election, Clement III returned to Rome at peace with its rebellious inhabitants. Clement signed a peace agreement with the Roman Senate, which had been governing the city in the absence of the papacy. Now, the deal was interesting and reflected the concerns the Roman people had, which had caused them to revolt in the first place. A lot of the points agreed upon had to deal with cities close by Rome, which the Romans didn't particularly like, especially Tivoli and Tusculum. One provision said that the Romans had a right to destroy the walls of Tusculum so they wouldn't be able to defend themselves against Rome and would have to be subservient to Rome, while another provision gave the Senate control over the key bridges that led to Tivoli. But it also in the end gave the power in Rome itself to the Pope who nominated and confirmed the Senate and to whom the people of Rome pledged their loyalty. Now with the Pope back in Rome and peace at hand, everyone could focus on what was really important, which was the planning of the Third Crusade. Clement preached the crusade and sent letters to Christian kings and rulers throughout Europe, urging them to take the cross and head to Jerusalem. 
Now, if you remember, the First Crusade was led mainly by middle-level nobles, although some of them very powerful, and primarily from France. Raymond of Toulouse, who was incredibly powerful, was just a duke. Godfrey of Bouillon, Stephen of Blois, Bohemond the Norman prince. These guys, they weren't the heads of state. But the Third Crusade will be different. The kings themselves will hear the call and go on crusade, namely Friedrich Barbarossa himself, the Holy Roman Emperor, Philip, the King of France, and Richard the Lionheart, the new King of England. Now, there's a cool story about the two latter rulers. Apparently, Cardinal Henri, the one who refused to be elected Pope twice, came upon the kings of France and England, who at that time was Henry II, in January of 1188. He convinced them to take up the cross and head on crusade, but before they could get on the road, they started fighting. Richard, Henry's son, had taken sides with Philip and was fighting against his father, King Henry. The Pope sent more envoys to try and get them to stop fighting each other and head on crusade, but it was useless. Henry II of England, though, died in 1189. Richard the Lionheart, his son and now king, an ally with Philip of France, was able then to set out with his French counterpart to the Holy Land. But all was not smooth sailing, and even though everyone was on the same page and heading to the Holy Land, you can already see the seeds of future conflict growing. First, with the Empire. One of the points of conflict with Friedrich and previous popes was the refusal to crown Friedrich's son, Henry VI, as co-emperor with his father. Clement agreed to do this, but delayed actually crowning Henry until after the crusade. In the meantime, the king of Sicily, William II, died in 1189. Henry, if you remember, was married to the presumed heir of the kingdom of Sicily and claimed Sicily for himself. The Sicilians, however, sided with a noble named Tancred and not with Henry, and the pope did nothing to stop it. So Henry was furious, and he sent an army into southern Italy, though it didn't manage to do that much. Then, on June 1st, 1190, a disaster befell the crusading army. When crossing a river in Turkey on their way to the Holy Land, Friedrich Barbarossa died. It's unclear if he was bathing in the river and somehow was swept by the current, or, as one chronicler put it, he was thrown from his horse and held under the water by his heavy armor. Regardless, the emperor and one of the leaders of the crusade died before ever reaching the Holy Land. His son, Henry, still back in Italy, demanded now that Clement crown him Holy Roman Emperor. And the Pope said that if he promised not to mess with the Pope and respect the old agreements between the papacy and the empire, he would go ahead and crown Henry. Henry said, sounds good. He got a big army together and he headed south to Rome. In the meantime, the Romans were pushing Clement as well, telling him that if he agreed to let them destroy the walls of Tusculum, you really can't put it off that much longer. And so with pressure from two long-delayed and fairly difficult events weighing on his shoulders, not to mention an imperial army on his northern border and a crusade in the Holy Land, Clement III died at some point between March 20th and April 10th in 1191. He was buried in the Lateran Basilica and was succeeded by Pope Celestine III, who we'll talk about next week. Thank you for listening to Abemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please subscribe and lead a review. Thank you and God bless you.